Please note the financial information in this episode is general in nature and does not take into consideration your personal circumstances. If you need advice, please seek out a licensed financial advisor. Hello, hello, and welcome to Better Real Estate, a podcast by Better Homes and Gardens that's about one of our favourite pastimes, property. I'm Dora Pappas, the editor of Better Homes and Gardens magazine. And I'm Greg Fay, the DIY editor of said magazine. We're going to be your hosts and together we'll take you on an adventure into all things real estate. But rather than talk about myself, which can be a tad awkward, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Greg and let him do the same for me. Greg is a DIY superstar. Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you are. He's a carpenter and a licensed builder with over 30 years of experience. That's a lot of experience, Greg. Mm, Thanks. He's our resident DIY expert here at BHGHQ, and I can't wait to hear what he has to share with us on the show. Well, that's enough about me, Dora, and a little bit about you. Dora has decades of experience in DIY decorating and styling. She's owned a number of homes in a number of styles. That's so true. You are absolutely right. I have owned a number of homes and in a number of styles. You know, I'm a decorator. I love all things to do with decorating. And haven't haven't you just helped your daughter buy her first home, Dora? I have, although she might actually dispute the word helped. But yes, I was there in the background. I've also been an owner-builder as well. Right. Yeah. I, I also have done the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations to your daughter on her first home, a big step. I mean, that's where we all started and coincidentally or not, that's the topic of our first episode, buying your first home. So get ready to take some notes. You might need a pen and some paper because there's some fantastic tips coming your way. Buying your first home is a major life decision. I don't know about you, Greg, but it certainly was for me. It wasn't for me, actually, Dora. The sum total of research in buying my first home was about four hours. <laughs> no, you can't get away with just I went, throwing that out. I went not- looking for one day. I, I was living, I was 19, I was living at home, and my mum said, we're going to find you somewhere to live. So we went out that day, looked at a few apartments, and walked into one I loved at the end and, and made an offer, and that was it. Wow, how many properties did you actually view that day? Oh, four or five, I think. But um, yeah, I had a bit of money behind me because my father had passed away a few years earlier and my parents were separated, but that was it. And yeah, lived there for 12 years. Well, I have to say my experience is not quite the same, but uh, fairly similar. My first home, my dad invested with me. He basically uh, bought a block of land. Dad loved to build his own houses. So I've always pretty much lived in new homes. He put the deposit down. I had to pay off the mortgage and um, we built the house and um, not long afterwards because I was still quite young. Uh, it was, I think I was in my very, very early 20s, so we were close. Yeah. We leased it out to a consulate at the time, which really helped pay off the mortgage. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so you, and then you, were you living at home or you rented? I was a good Greek girl. I was definitely living at home. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I still am a good Greek girl. <laughs> I mean, and, and I guess for, for, for our listeners, the, the things you've got to uh, think about with your first home is, I mean, I, I think the consideration for most people is just getting a, a foot on the ladder, isn't it? I mean, that's sort of the first thing. But a- Absolutely the first thing. And it, I think it rang true then. 
and it certainly continues to ring true now because if they don't, that, that market that just escapes them totally. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, one of the things that they need to consider, or anybody who's um, going to be a first home buyer, is to consider their selection process. And I think they need to make some lists. I mean, I love lists. I'm really into <laughs> lists. So, you know what type of property they want to buy. Will they do what I did, which was to be um, an owner builder type? With my well, obviously, with the help of my parents, or do they want to buy a project home? Do they want to buy an apartment? Yeah, what oh, is list, it that they want to buy? That's a long list, but also, I think you've also got to um, be prepared to compromise. You know, like if you might have the the best wish list in the world, but if you're uh, not prepared to make a few sacrifices on on a few core things, you you might still be looking. Now, before we get into financing your first home. We're going to be joined today by Emma Brown-Garrett. She's an auctioneer for Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Hi, Emma. Hi, Dora. Thank you so much for having me. We're super excited to have you here and really keen to get your insider info. But before that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I've been working in the real estate sector for about 15 years. I've worked in everything from project marketing to leasing to sales and, of course, auctioneering. Uh, it's been an amazing career for me and I've loved every moment. Lots of different things that I've been able to do in real estate. I've just recently started auctioneering the last couple of years, which I've absolutely loved. And it's great to have all that sales experience to pull it in that as well. So look, it's a very large emotional transaction that buyers and vendors go through. And I like to bring some empathy and compassion to the sale process. And I think that's what kind of makes me stand apart from everybody else. So yeah. Yeah, good. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, obviously you, you know the ropes and, uh, you know, a ton of experience. We're keen to get some of that insights yes, for our listeners. Some advice. Um, so we, we, <laughs> we've been talking about buying your first home and, yes. and going through that process. So what would you say your sort of top three tips? For the I love first, this question. First home buyer. One of the first tips I would say is be prepared. Make sure you've got your deposit organised. Make sure you've been through the contract. Make sure you've got a really great solicitor lined up. There's lots of things that you can do prior um, to bidding on a property or making an offer. And it just means that you're relaxed and you're organised. That's definitely one of my biggest tips. Be prepared. Yeah. One of the other things I always say is don't be afraid to ask the agent questions and have a bit of a relationship and a bit of trust with the agent. Uh, you'll find a lot of agents love talking about property and they're more than happy to assist you and they want to guide you through. They want the property to be sold. So the better relationship they have with the buyers as well really helps them. So don't be afraid to ask questions. So is it your real estate agent that organises the auctioneer? Yeah, so very good question, Dora. So uh, your real estate agent has a relationship with the auctioneer and they will often bring that auctioneer in to do the auction for that property. It's changed a lot in the last couple of years and the way that I run my business and conduct my business through auctioneering, I like to be there from the very beginning of the of the sale. So the second that the agency agreement's signed, I like to introduce myself to the vendor and then my relationship will continue on through that and also build a relationship with the buyers. Well, um, that sounds great. It's really nice. Because quite often, it, I mean, any process I've been through in terms of auction, whether it be my own or friends or my daughter's, you know, you just meet the auctioneer on the day. and I think gone are the days of the auctioneer turning up in the black suit, the black BMW, stepping out of the car and everyone feeling very intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I conduct my business is very different. So by the time auction day comes, I've met most of the buyers. I've got a fabulous relationship with the vendor and there's no anxiety, there's no stress, there's no terrible nausea the night before not being able to sleep because you're very well prepared for how the auction day is going to run out. 
And I think the last tip is definitely keep it simple. A lot of buyers that I see tend to look in lots of different suburbs and they get very confused about where they want to live, what type of schools they want their children to go to. So have a really great idea of where you'd like to be, what suburb, what street, and really research that area and uh, and kind of figure out where you want to live and love the area that you live. So I think those three tips are definitely going to help first home buyers on their way. Well, great, Emma. Great tips. Now, what about auctions? I've never actually bought at an auction. I guess I've been intimidated by it. I've always it's always been Don't a straight be intimidated a, by us. no, it's always <laughs> been a straight sale and and just I mean just the pressure cooker situation of it I guess for first home buyers because obviously they've never bought at an auction yes. and, and what's the tips there to, to surviving that situation? Look, I think again uh, being prepared. Always make sure that you know exactly what's going to happen at the auction. Again, that goes back to talking to the agent as well as the auctioneer. But look, I think a lot of first home buyers, they haven't even bought an auction. So one of the questions that I get asked is, are they better off at buying an auction or are they better off buying private treaty? It's six, one, half, another, the other. It's the oldest question in time about whether auction's better than private treaty. And one of the things is that auctions do have a time frame. So there tends to be this kind of sense of urgency that flows around an auction campaign. You know when it's going to be sold. You know what you have to do before the property is sold. So it allows you to get organised and uh, and be prepared. One of the things about the auction process is it's very transparent. So it allows you to be in a room with all the other buyers and you have the opportunity to bid fairly against each other. And when you walk out of there, whether you're successful winning or not, you know that you gave it your best shot. A lot of buyers do get uh, apprehensive about buying a private treaty because you're not sure about the offers that go back and forth and negotiations. So Look, I'm very pro-auction. I'm an auctioneer. I love the process and I trust it the whole way. So I often say to first home buyers, if you have the opportunity to buy at auction, go ahead. You'll be clear, transparent, you know exactly what's going on. So What about on the day? Like there's all these people around, hands are going it's up. very and the, the auction, Yeah. What? <laughs> I still get nervous at some auctions. So um, look, the tips on the day for me uh, – I've got I've got a couple of really good ones. People might think they're a bit superficial, but I like to use no, them myself well, when they're a turn up on time. That's a big one, a huge <laughs> big one. Bring your ID. But one of the things I say to people is dress really smartly and show up with confidence. You know, you're there, uh, you're competing against other people. So you're going to intimidate the other I didn't want buyers. to use that. I didn't want to <laughs> use that. All right, I'll word, use Dora, it for but you. I thought <laughs> Does. But I do I do think, you know, once you've registered um, with your driver's licence, of course, uh, and you've got your paddle, find a spot where you can look and see your competition clearly. Um, you know, be precise in your bidding, be confident. No one has to know that you're freaking out. Yeah, Fake yeah. it till you make can it. I, just, I mean, I think. Can I just tell you a funny story? Please, please. I am so glad of the day of the paddle has finally arrived because I remember going to an auction with a friend <laughs> of mine and she was so nervous. It was her first property buying experience at auction. And I said, oh, it's okay, I'll bid for you. Of course, that's a big no-no, isn't it? No, of course, Guess you what? need written authority to bid on Guess another what? party's behalf. This was quite a while ago, but guess who bought the property? Did, you have, did you have your driver's licence with you, Dora? I did have my driver's licence. <laughs> and a checkbook? But, but do you know what we had to do? Tell me. We actually had to, I actually had to buy the property you and do. sell it back to her. Absolutely, 100%. So we just did, you know, uh, Exchanges, simultaneous exchanges on but the same really day. So good, there was three that day. It was the agent. Did the agent get 
twice the commission? No. No. No, no, no. no, I nearly died. I I almost died. I just sank. But it's a really good point to bring up because I don't think people realise that there is so many processes around purchasing at auction. If you are bidding on half of another party, you do have to have written authority to do so. Otherwise, you end up, as Dora's friend, purchasing a property on Saturday um, <laughs> no, Dora well, no, I the purchased. Dora, sorry, I Dora pur- purchased the property on Saturday that she didn't want. <laughs> I purchased it on Saturday, and she bought it off me on Monday. It was hilarious. No, it wasn't hilarious at I'm all. I'm sure there's many stories <laughs> yeah. around that. Absolutely. From personal experience, and a question I'd like yes. to know. Um, I've seen all those auction shows on telly, and I've only att- ever attended one auction just to get an idea. Yeah. And. Um, the bidding goes up and down, you know what I mean? Like starts out with 10,000 yes. and then it can go down to the hundreds, you know, 500 yes. or whatever. When you're at the auction, how do you indicate the, the amount that you want to bid? Like if, if someone's bidding 10, 10, 10, 10, it slows down. As a buyer? Yeah. You can just be verbal and let the auctioneer know that you'd like to make a bit of 10,000 or you'd like to make a bit of 1,000 yeah. on top of that. Okay. Uh, there are some little tips and tricks around a bidding at auction um, I always say it's quite good to bid very confidently and, and quite aggressive. And so a larger number, um, putting a larger number forward can often scare your opponents and your competition. So that's a little tip that I always have. But if you would like to make a bit of $1,000, you just make that very clear to the auctioneer. So you're, there is allowed to be conversation between yourself okay. and the auctioneer. There's nothing around legislation to say that you can't put a bid in. Um, I have a funny little thing that I do at my auctions where everybody's allowed to have one bid of $500. Because taking $500 increments, we would be there for five hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always have a thing where I said, everybody has, is allowed to have one bid of 500 You can use it now, you can use it later. It's a little bit like a vow, actually, from Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> you can buy a vow. Um, so otherwise, we would be there forever. So the job of an auctioneer is to keep control of that auction and make sure that we do get to the reserve or over the reserve yeah. in a in a allotted amount of time. Yeah, yeah. But as a as a buyer, you're more than welcome to put your hand up and say, "I'd like to bid fourteen thousand yeah. dollars." There is no number, there's no set, but you will find the auctioneer does um, dictate what the next bid would like to be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Going I, up in ten thousand increments or something like that. I have another question. Yes, please. Once the auction process has started. Can someone register late? Such a great question. Such a good question. It happened to my daughter when she was buying her apartment. You can register any time from the beginning of the auction until the hammer falls. Wow. You are allowed to register any time. As an auctioneer, I will stop the auction. I will wait for that person. And I've done it many times. I've started and the person's turned up with no driver's licence. We've paused the auction, he's driven back to his apartment in Wallara, he's grabbed his driver's licence, come out, we've registered and we've started the auction again. Not everybody likes it, but it's a fair, transparent way of purchasing and we want to give everyone the opportunity to buy. Okay, so you've been the successful bidder, but then you sort of have buyer's remorse immediately. And you've changed your and mind. And you've changed <laughs> your mind. The minute that you realised you've bought the property, you go, oh my goodness, I didn't want this property. What do you do? Uh, too bad. Unfortunately... Wow. When you're purchasing a property at auction and you are the successful bidder, it's your property. If you refuse to sign the contract, the auctioneer has the authority to sign that contract on your behalf. And uh, then you need to take it to your solicitor and, and continue down that legal path. 
Wow. So mm. you uh, be very then, careful. Uh, be very careful because don't scratch your head at an auction. <laughs> don't fix your glasses or change your scarf. Just keep your hands in your lap. I always I say. Yes, <laughs> that's why I said earlier that the paddle's such a really good idea it's because a great idea. you know I'm very. My hands go everywhere all the time. I can't control them. And one of the one of the terms, sorry, yeah, (laughs) that's the Greek background coming out. (laughs) One of the uh, terms and conditions um, that we announced to the buyers at the beginning of the auction is to raise your paddle nice and clearly and display your number each and every time you place a bid. So the bids need to be recorded and the bid number needs to be recorded against the bidder. So there's a whole legal thing around it now that's covered. So thank goodness for that. Very difficult to buy a property now just putting your hand up in the air. Yeah, so I couldn't have. For my friend at all, no. I would have been told straight away: you don't have a paddle, you cannot be. Absolutely! Wow, that was fantastic advice. Thank you so so much. If you're thinking of buying, leasing, or selling your property, contact a Better Homes and Gardens real estate agent today by visiting bhgre.com.au. So if you're in the market for buying your first home, you're going to want to know things like what your deposit should be, uh, what the repayments are going to be like, depending on the interest rate. So you're going to go for fixed or variable. And there's a whole lot more background that you're going to need to know. And we've got Rebecca Dalton Jarrett here from Two Red Shoes, and she's going to be able to answer some of those questions for us. Hello, Rebecca, and thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm a mortgage broker, so what I do is go out and uh, sit in people's homes and am privileged to listen to all their financial details and try and make some sense of it for them. Terrific. And do you come across a lot of first-home buyers? I love my first-home buyers. Absolutely, we do, yes. And do they have a general age? We do get a batch of people who are in their 20s still and they're very eager and great. And then we'll also see those people who are in their 30s who perhaps have done some travelling and done some living and established themselves in their careers. And we do get some people who perhaps have come to things later later in life, might have had some kids first and then they're coming into it. So it can be anybody at any age. Where, where do you start, Rebecca? If, if you're a first-home buyer, no matter what age you are, I mean, obviously getting finance, etc. what do people need to think about? Well, I think the first thing that you you can do is just find out what you need to do. That could be quite simple as um, sitting down with somebody and finding out what the path is, how, where I'm at and where do I need to be. Yeah. And often we'll find that people think that they need to be in a, a you know much further along the path than they really are or a lot closer than they realise. Right, okay. Do you mean in terms of how much they might have saved or? Yeah, in terms of how much they might have saved or in how much income that they have or other options that they perhaps haven't considered. Okay, and those other options might be? So a lot of people are using family guarantees at the moment. So they might be using a, a pledge against mum and dad's security and they perhaps didn't realise that that was something that was available or they're thinking of old guarantees of past where mum and dad are guaranteeing a $600,000 property and, and, of course, parents aren't interested in that. But if it's something limited where it might be $120,000 that they're guaranteeing, parents are very happy to help with that these days. Actually, that's um, really interesting you said that because there was a time when my son was looking and I was going to go help him get the deposit by going guarantor for that amount. He had the capacity to repay, but he just didn't have the deposit. Really so hard that's to, to yeah. save or you're paying rent. Yeah. Wow, I know, especially in sort of the... Uh, Eastern seaboard cities, they're so expensive, even with the slight cooling of the market. And without that knowledge, you don't really understand where you are on the on the path. You don't really understand how near or far it is. So you basically break it all down for them and yep. give them their options. Yep, that's right. 
So when it comes to deposits these days, you know, I remember it was 10%. I don't know about you, Greg, yeah, but it was, it was certainly it was, 10%. somewhere there. I mean, what's, what's the magic number these? I mean, obviously as, as much as you can. What What's sort of something people should aim for? Yep. So if you've got uh, as little as 6% deposit these days right. um, and with a first-time buyer with no stamp duty to pay, so particular um uh, price points, then you can get into the market. And that's significantly different than what people commonly think of as a 20% or a 10% deposit requirement. So this is what I mean. People can be a lot further along the path than they realise. Yeah, right. So where does it come in? And I might have just misheard or misinterpreted the information. I thought first home buyers had to have about a 20% deposit. So that's not true. That's a fallacy, is it? Mm -hmm. Now, if you have 20% deposit, you're not going to pay lenders mortgage insurance. So ah, you're going to be okay. better off. Okay. However, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything. And lenders mortgage insurance just needs to be thought of as a tool. Okay. So basically that allows them to buy a home that they might otherwise not have been able to afford because they didn't have the necessary deposit. That's right. You spoke of the cooling market. Yeah. If you try and outsave a rising market, and, and particularly in some of our strongly rising capital cities, lenders' mortgage insurance makes a lot of sense. You yes, really it does. can't outsave those markets. No. So um, if you think about lenders' mortgage insurance, it might be as much, you know, sometimes it's very expensive, sometimes it might be $20,000. But as a tool to beat that price rise, it can be, you know, really worthwhile. And is that um, mortgage insurance added to the amount borrowed. Yes, it is. So it's not, it is coming out of their pocket, I guess, it is, in it the is long ultimately, run. Ultimately, yes. But they don't actually have to have that $20,000 to go and That's buy exactly insurance right. with. Yep. Okay, so it's added to the cost of the loan. Yep. Now, lenders' mortgage insurance doesn't protect the borrower, so we need to make that distinction. It actually protects the lender. You do have to pay for it. However, again, just think of it as a tool. It's just got to be done. Yeah, It's just like an expense of, of the loan, isn't it? Like yeah. a, a solicitor for the yep. conveyancing and all that sort of thing. Cost it's just, of opportunity. Yeah. What's it yeah. going to be worth to you in the long run? Yeah. What are lenders looking for in terms of uh, repayment capabilities? Okay. So particularly at the moment, they're looking at your expenses. So they are really screwed. Scrutinizing um, what you're actually spending versus how much you're saving. And um, there is some room for discretion there. So we are now seeing some room for um, you to be able to say to the lender, I know I've been spending too much and everybody does and I won't do when I'm in the mortgage and here is where I'm going to save it or here are the, the rationalisations I'm going to make. Um, and then the other one, the really most important one, is uh, what we call either 5% genuine savings or quite literally um, evidence that you can meet those repayments. So if your repayments are going to be 650 bucks a week, then here's the $500 a week rent I've been paying and here's the $150 a week in savings that I've been making. That really demonstrates to them that you can afford that loan. If I could ask, what is the amount, an average amount that people are borrowing these days in terms of first-home buyers? Well, of course, it would vary across the states. Yeah. In New South Wales, which is the market that I particularly play in, it's probably close to 600000 All right, Rebecca. So next step, you've got your deposit together. Mm -hmm. You've got a mortgage broker. You're all set to go and you get pre-approval for a, for a loan from a lender or mm -hmm. what's the step there? A pre-approval is not absolutely necessary, though it is advisable, especially with the, some of the changes in lending rules of late. And then you, you're literally going out there and negotiating on a property. Um, you would 
potentially find something that you love. You might put a holding deposit down. Um, then you've got some time to do your searches and checks and uh, the valuation on the property. You've got a, what we call a cooling off period. So you might have five or 10 days to do that. Um, you're inspecting the contract, getting your full approval from your lender and um, full steam ahead from there. Okay. And if, if you get pre-approval, are you tied into that lender? Not necessarily. Sometimes um, particular circumstances, you might only have one or two lenders that you can choose from. So you might be. But we've got an instance at the moment where evaluation hasn't come up to scratch from a particular lender, yeah. but another lender has uh, done another valuation and that one is looking a lot better. Okay. So we'll switch that client over to a different okay, lender. Okay, no worries. I remember when um, I bought some of my homes, you'd go along to, say, an auction with a cheque. Now, when my daughter bought at auction, because, you know, at auction you meant to pay the deposit over, and I said, you know what, I have no idea what happens <laughs> these days. So we were, we were always referring back to the agent. Ask the agent what do they want. Yep. But people are doing transfers on the day. People yep. might be taking along um, a deposit bond that's designed for an auction. Uh-huh. So it's a, a bond that can be refunded. And a deposit bond is like um, an insurance policy, shall you say, that you buy that guarantees the purchase so you're going to pay them the deposit, but not until a particular time. So there's a number of ways that can be done. You can still take cash. Cash still works. I can just see someone rolling up with an Aldi bag full right. of cash. That, that's how I did a holding deposit on my home. I went and hit the ATM for $2,000 or something right on, the, on that second. So, oh, so you um, paid a holding deposit. Yeah, I, I saw the home and it was yeah. it was where I wanted. It was a fixer-upper, as you say, Dora, yeah. which is sort of what I was looking for. And it was hitting the market that afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, the, and we're still there 17 years later. Well, Rebecca, housing affordability has been a really hot topic lately with the rising markets. Is there any sort of government incentives or schemes or stamp duty relief that first-home buyers can look forward to? Yep. So uh, we've got the first-home owner's grant, and that's broken down into two components, shall we say. So the first component is a $10,000 grant. Well, in New South Wales, it's a $10,000 grant for um, purchases buying a brand new home or building a home. And the second component is um, an exemption or a concession on stamp duty. It varies from state to state. In New South Wales, for example, it's no stamp duty on any property up to $650,000 and then a discount from six fifty dollars to $800,000. And again, that as I say, varies from state to state, but that's a substantial saving. So at six fifty, that's about twenty two thousand dollars savings. Right. So substantially wow. more than the grant. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to mortgages now. How do people find a good mortgage broker and what kind of mortgage will suit their needs? Well, one way that you can find somebody is to ask your friends and family to refer you to somebody, um, somebody they've worked with and they're comfortable with, and then perhaps interview them. Make sure that you feel like it's a good fit. And then once you actually do sit in front of them, make sure that you're feeling like you understand them and that they understand you. That's really important. Ask all the questions. Don't walk away not really knowing why you're doing something or or what something means. We, we see a lot of people who say, I've had that particular type of loan, but I didn't understand why. And we're very um, thorough about going right the way through and be part of that decision as to why a particular type of loan might or might not suit them um, so that there's no second guessing. Can you give me the differences in the types of loans then? So really briefly, overarching, you've got fixed and variable loans. Um, Variable, obviously, the market moves and a fixed rate loan is like entering into an agreement to pay that interest rate for a particular period of time or one or two or three or, or however many years. Fixed rate loans are less flexible 
for um, obvious reasons Mm -hmm. and a variable rate loan then um, has the risk that if the interest rates go up, you could end up paying more. But then, of course, you can also save if the rates go down. They they suit particular borrowers. There are obviously offshoots of those. You might have a line of credit where um, it's a variable rate loan that you can draw upon, basically like a big um, credit card. You'll see fewer and fewer of those these days. You have to be pretty disciplined to, to have that you, sort of yeah, thing. You absolutely do. It's it's really only suitable for a small segment of the market. Yeah, yeah. And what about interest only? Are you a fan, not a fan? There's been some negative publicity about that recently. Horses for courses. Um, ultimately, there's still an argument for it in investment purposes in, in certain segments. But again, it, it's got to be really well thought out and you do have to understand that there might not be a way to uh, extend your interest only period and mm-hmm. you might end up with some whopping high repayments at the end. I'm, I'm about to hit that period did an interest only and and it's going to go principal on interest at the end of the year. So Over a shorter period of time. Uh, yeah. Ouch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fine. I've, I've been yep. Preparing planning for it. For it. Yeah, well yeah. done. I guess another thing, Rebecca, because as I said, I just refinanced a few years ago and there's some big mortgage broking companies, you know, I don't want to name names, but there's some large companies and they're affiliated with some of the lenders, aren't they? I, I, I had one guy come over, a mortgage broker, and lo and behold, all the top loans were from his affiliation with the lender. And I was a little bit wary about that. And another similar one uh, had the same thing. Is that something people should think about and look into in, in with a mortgage broker? Look, of course it should be. However, I'm going to tell you, I'm in a group of six and a half thousand um, mortgage brokers. So that's a considerable chunk of the industry. Yeah. I can tell you that most of us don't have a clue. What you would suggest then is that they're giving priority to those lenders. Well, that's what I and, thought, yeah. Yep, yeah, and, it, and it's not it's not impossible. However, in that group of 6,500 brokers, um, there's there's got to be a motivator. So you would suggest that perhaps they're being paid more in that 6,500 brokers. None of us know what commissions we get paid from those lenders. Yeah. We don't care. We don't choose based on. And the difference between one lender and another, it might be 50 bucks. Yeah. So we're not going to make a choice for 50 bucks. Seriously, it's not an issue. The the priority is always focused on the client. So whilst that might be the case, it might be coincidental, it might be one or two people who focus on that aggregator group, the majority of us, honestly, hand on heart, have the right intents. Yeah, okay. And the other thing too is different lenders have different criteria. So depending on the on who's borrowing the money, what they're buying, what their personal circumstances you are. You might only fit with that particular group. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Thank you so very much, um, Rebecca, very for joining us. That was fabulous information. Maybe you can tell us where people can find you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my website is Two Red Shoes. That's the word, T-W-O, redshoes.com.au. And uh, lovely to be here today. Lovely. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca. And can I say I love your red shoes? <laughs> me too. Thanks. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Better Real Estate as much as we did. We'll be back next week with another show. And in the meantime, please take a moment to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to help other real estate busts find us. And for more property inspiration and information, go to bhg.com.au forward slash property.